You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. And um, Ephesians 6 is a very popular passage um, in the Bible. It's a, a chapter that we reference quite a bit. In verse 10, it's the warfare of the believer. In verse 10, we enter the battlefield. And we're going to read one verse this evening, verse number 18. But in verses 10 through 17 and 10 through 18, we see the warfare of the believer. We see that you and I are in a spiritual warfare today, a war between good and evil, a war between heaven and hell. And what we're told here is that we need to put on the whole armor of God. In verses 10 through 17, we're, put, we're told to put on the armor of God, your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and so on and so forth. So forth. But now we come to this, uh, the postscripts of this famous section of scripture. And that's Ephesians 6, verse 18. Look with me if you would there. The Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirits, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I love you so much. I thank you so much for this day. Lord, you're my best friend, and I just love you so very much, Lord, and I praise your name for that. I ask you just please be at the service today, Lord. Move in a mighty way, Lord. Speak through me and help me hide behind the cross of Christ. And um, Lord, I just love you so much. If there's anybody in here who's not saved, I pray that you work on their hearts and just help us get something out of this message today and recognize the importance of prayer. I love you so much. I praise your name, and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In Ephesians 6, Paul made it clear that we are in an ongoing war. Our enemy is Satan, who has seized our rightful dominion over the earth and claimed prince of the world. As a result, we who follow God are now part of a resistance movement living in enemy-occupied territory. But God has given us a way to keep on the firing line in Ephesians 6.18, and that's through prayer. Look, with that, look at that verse one more time. The Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirits, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You see, that's the way we win this battle. We win this battle through prayer. That's the way we get our energy to use the armor that God has given us. Because in the first seven verses, from verse 10 to 17, we're told to put on the armor of God, to put on the equipments. But if we just put on the equipments and leave it at that, we're not going to do very much for the Lord. You see, verse 18 highlights the energy in which enables us to use the armor that God has given us. Because we are not strong enough to use that armor in and of ourselves. It takes the energy of Almighty God. It's heavenly armor, so therefore we need heavenly protection and heavenly prayer. So verses 10 through 17, we have the equipment, but then in verse 18, we see the energy that helps us use that equipment, and that is praying to Almighty God, praying in the spirits to God. And that's something that we need to do, but a lot of us, we don't do that, right? A lot of us, we put on that armor of God, we put on the equipment, but then we leave it at that. We look the parts, we've got on that armor, but then we rely on our own strength, our own energy, and not the energy of God, and therefore we fall short. We're kind of like spiritual mannequins, putting on the armor, but leaving it at that. We're not praying. It reminds me of this uh, individual, this bodybuilder, who went on a trip to Africa a number of years ago, and um, he went to Africa and was showing off his muscles. Man, and this guy had muscles. He was buff. He had muscles on top of his muscles, muscles on his eyeballs. This man was muscular. 
and he was showing everybody his muscles, and everybody was gravitating towards him and looking up to this guy because he was just so buff. And one of the chiefs of that particular tribe walked up to him and said, never in my life have I seen somebody so muscular as you. I've never seen somebody with so many muscles in my life. Tell me, what do you do with those muscles? And the bodybuilder looked at him and said, well, this is basically it. I just flex on people a little bit. I just put on, I just am just muscular. And the chief looked at him, shook his head in disgust, walked away and said, what a waste. And that's basically what we do as well. We're just like those bodybuilders. We're flexing. We're, we're having on that armor of God, but then we leave it at that. We're not using the equipments that God has given us. We need the energy of prayer to use the equipments, to use that armor that God has given us to win this battle of life because we are in a spiritual warfare. And prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor and wield the sword. And it's interesting here because Paul has purposefully chosen to emphasize prayer immediately following his instructions on taking up the armor of God. He gives us the equipment and then bam, goes right into prayer because prayer is our line of communication, our secret lifeline that connects us to our leader, giving us his strength and direction every single day. We need prayer. And it's interesting when you study Ephesians 6 because in verses 10 through 17 where he talks about the equipments, putting on the armor of God, he, he almost describes those things in passing, in just a few words or a simple phrase. Feet shot with the preparation on the, of the gospel of peace, on to the next one. Helmet of salvation, on to the next one. He just describes it in passing. But then he slows down in verse 18 and he gives us an in-depth doctrine of prayer in 21 words. He dedicates 21 words to the doctrine of prayer. You see, this highlights the importance of prayer in our life because prayer is how we win this victory of life, how we win in this spiritual battle. And you want to know something? Satan fears your prayers. He really does, and he does not want you to pray. And he will do anything he can to get you to stop. Because when we pray, we're talking to Almighty God. We're talking to that sovereign creator that is omnipotent over everything. And so he does not want you to pray. And hell wants to block heaven from reaching earth, and it will do anything it can to stop us from praying. Because when you pray, you defeat him. There's power in prayer. And what we see here is our commander gives us 21 words on prayer that will help us win the battles of life. He does it in verse 18. And we're going to break that uh, verse down word by word this evening and how it applies to us. We're going to break down the good soldier's prayer life in Ephesians 6 verse 18. And every single one of us, we want to be a good soldier, right? We want to be a good soldier for the cross. We do that through prayer. So notice, first of all, the good soldier's prayer life is a prayer life of persistence. Look at verse 18. He says, praying always with all prayer. Praying always. That's simple. It's praying all the time, right? We see that true throughout the scriptures. In Ephesians, or in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, we are told to pray without ceasing. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. You see, we see that throughout the scriptures. We're to pray without ceasing. We're to pray always with all prayer. Now, does that mean that I'm on my knees 24 hours a day, seven days a week, talking to Almighty God? No, that's not the case at all. Does it mean that throughout the day I can't talk to anybody else because I'm just constantly just mumbling to myself, going throughout the day, praying to Him? That's not the case at all either. No, it's just an attitude, right? Constant connection with Almighty God because this is how we maintain our connection with Him. It means we are to be in constant contact with God. 
throughout the day, an attitude of prayer. It's kind of like soldiers on the battlefields connected to their soldier, their commander, via radio, constantly having it off the hook. He's with us wherever we go. That attitude, that connection of prayer, because that's how we maintain our connection with him. It's through prayer. And understand this. Now, the reason why we need to pray always, the reason why we need to pray without ceasing is because we are always subject to temptation and attacks by the devil. We never know when Satan's going to shoot one of his fiery darts at us and bring us down. So therefore, we need to be in constant contact with our commander, praying without ceasing, praying always so we can stop him in the battle. We need to pray without ceasing. I like what Dr. Stinnett Blue said. He said this every morning when he would wake up. He would say, help me be instant and constant in prayer. Help me be instant and constant in prayer. And that's what we need to do, maintaining connection with Almighty God. And it reminds me of an individual in the Old Testament, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a kind of dude that kept in contact with God throughout. He prayed without ceasing. He prayed always. In the short book of Nehemiah, we see 12 prayers given by Nehemiah. And nine of those 12 prayers were instant, spontaneous prayers. You see, he, connect, he kept those connection lines open. He constantly was talking with Almighty God. And we see that truth in Nehemiah 2.4 when he's talking to the king and asking if he could be um, relieved of his duties as cupbearer so he can go help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Um, in Jerusalem, the Bible says that the king went to him and said, What's your request, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 2.4, So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, Nehemiah didn't go into a closet, didn't go alone and pray to him. Right there before he asked the request, he prayed to Almighty God. What he was doing was he was keeping the communication lines open. He was in constant, constant contact with Almighty God. He was praying without ceasing. That's what we need to do. We need to pray always with all prayer. We need to pray at all times. The New Testament records prayers being offered before daylight in Mark 1.35. On the Sabbath day in Acts 16.13. When alone in Luke 9, 18. When together in Acts 2, 42. All night long in Luke 6, 12. Night and day in 1 Timothy 5, 5. And continually in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. You see, there's never a time when we cannot pray. We get to pray without ceasing. We get to pray always. And our goal as Christian soldiers is to be able to reach out in prayer at any moment and immediately be in touch with God. Our whole life can be a prayer as we walk day by day with him. We need to pray always. We need to pray at all times. And not only that, we also need to pray for all things. That brings me to my next point, the petition of prayer. Look at the next word there. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Supplication means to ask. The Greek word is desis, which suggests a petition for a specific personal need. He wants us to ask for something. He wants us to pray. Amen. Luke 11, 9 says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You see, what we see there is God Almighty wants us to pray. He wants us to pray to him. Amen. That's an amazing thing. We get to talk and commune with Almighty God. And he cares about everything and wants to hear from you. He loves to listen to you and what you have to say. Man, he loves you so much, he wants you to cast your burdens onto him. We get to talk and pray to Almighty God. What a privilege that is. I get to talk to the creator of the world, amen. What an amazing truth. I get to talk to my best friend in heaven, that friend that 
that sticketh closer than a brother. Hey, God wants us to pray. And God cares even about the little things and wants you to give everything to him. And it's funny because a lot of Christians struggle with that, man. They go to God in prayer for the big things, but they have trouble with the small things. They don't want to concern him. But God wants you to pray. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. With everything in prayer. Bringing everything to God in prayer. I like what D.L. Moody said. He said this, some people think God does not like to be troubled with our constant coming and asking. The way to trouble God is not to come at all. You see, God cares about you and wants you to pray, big or small. He cares about even the details that we think are small and insignificant. I remember when I was a kid, man, I was about 13 years old, and I had a real heart for the Lord. I was on fire for him, and I remember I prayed a lot. And during that time, I prayed out loud basically most of the time. I would pray by myself and stuff, but whenever I would pray throughout the day, I would just pray out loud. And I remember one time I was at my house and I was praying for a certain thing. It was really small. I think it was asking the Lord to help me find this certain thing. And it wasn't that big of a deal, but I prayed to the Lord out loud for it. And I remember my family member came in and said, what on earth are you praying for that for? Why are you praying for that? God does not care about that small thing that you're praying for. He's got bigger things on his mind than something like that. And I remember I was taken back a little bit. And I remember thinking to myself, man. Does God really not care about that? Should I, should I not have prayed for that thing? But that's not the case at all. I wish I had Philippians 4 or 6 in my repertoire as like a trump card to show this individual because it says, be careful for nothing but everything with prayer and supplication. Hey, we can pray for all things, big or small, and God wants us to do that. Now, the biggest culprit when it comes to unanswered prayer is unasked prayer. That's the biggest thing right there. The Bible says in James 4, 2, ye have not because ye ask not. You see, we need to pray, and he wants us to pray. And it takes prayer to get our needs met. God has ordained praying as the means through which our needs can be met and his work can be done. He wants us to pray. But not only does he want us to pray, we also find out that God commands us to pray as well. The Bible says in Colossians 4, 2, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. That's a command. Continue in prayer. Luke 18, 1, And he spake a parallel unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You see, today in this day and age, we live in an age of substitutes, right? You can go to the store and buy hamburgers that don't have any meat in them. You can buy clothes with all natural materials. You can even get your hip replaced, your, your hip replaced, your knees replaced, all of those things. We live in an age of substitutes. But there are some things that you can't replace. And for a Christian, prayer is one of those things. There are only two choices for the believer. Either we pray or we will faint. You see, life is not meant to be lived in our own strength. And if we make that attempt, we are doomed to failure. And God's plan for our lives as his children revolves around our communication with him. We hear from him through his word, and he hears from us when we pray. And a Christian who does not pray faithfully, diligently, and regularly is a Christian headed toward defeat. God commands you. God wants you to pray because, brings me to my next points, there's power in prayer. That's why he wants you to do that. We've got power in prayer, and that's an amazing thing, right? And I'm going to say something that might take you off, uh, off track a little bit, might not seem true to you, but it's true. Prayer can do anything God can do. 
Prayer can do anything God can do. There is power in prayer. But it's not praying in my own might, praying in my own strength, but praying in God's. That's what we see in verse 18, praying in the Spirit. You see, we need to pray in the spirits because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, our power comes from God's strength and not our own. Praying in the spirits is relying on Almighty God. And we see that truth throughout the scriptures. A study of the Old Testament reveals that when the armies of Israel fought in their own strength, they always lost. But when they cast themselves upon God's mercy, victory always followed. You see, what we need to do is we need to cast ourselves on the mercy of God and say, hey, without you, I can do nothing. I'm praying in the spirits, walking in the spirits, and letting you live through me. That's what it takes to win the battle. Our victory comes from relying on God. It comes from praying in the spirits. One of my favorite verses, James chapter 5, verse 16, says this, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Basically what that saying is, Chad, if you are a righteous man, if you're walking in the Spirit and you start to pray, hey, it gets the job done. There is power in prayer. That's an amazing thing that we have. And that term effectual fervent is actually the same word we get our term energy from. Energy, being energized by the Spirit, praying in the spirits. And I looked up the Webster's Dictionary for effectual fervent, and it says this, to be operative, to put forth power, to aid, an intense asking, longing, seeking or entreating it has to do with passion time and efforts you see it takes time to pray it's not just praying without ceasing praying without ceasing is good but there's got to be times in your life where you go away and you spend time with him and you alone honestly and not just for a little bit for a while when's the last time you've prayed for longer than 10 minutes in a day honestly when's the last time it's tough but you're just like all other Christians. According to a past poll by Barna from the Christian Research Group, the average Christian spends no more than three minutes in prayer each day. The average Christian. But I'm not any better. Jesse's not any better. The average preacher spends on average five minutes in prayer each day. You see, we struggle with praying to Almighty God. We struggle with spending time with Him. And prayerlessness is our biggest problem today. And did you know it's a sin? For one, it's a command by God, but throughout scriptures we see the truth of it being sin, prayerlessness, not spending time with our Heavenly Father. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we do not pray. 1 Samuel 12, 23 says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Now, in application, that's actually referring kind of to pastors. It was Samuel that uh, said that. So for us as preachers, man, we need to pray for our congregation and things like that. But it applies to all of us. We need to pray to Almighty God. We need to spend time in prayer with Him. Prayerlessness is a terrible, wicked sin. For the lost sinner, it is part of his wicked rejection of Christ. For the child of God, it is identical with backsliding. Prayerlessness is another name for unbelief. It is the father and partner of every vile sin. And you can say, Michael, that's really harsh. That's really harsh. Prayerlessness is a part of every vile sin. Well, think about it. When those vile sins, those wicked things, sins happen, chances are there's no praying in sight, right? When a Christian, man, goes out of the wayside and gives in to just awful sins, is he praying in the spirits? Is he praying to God? Not at all. I know for me, man, there's some things throughout my life that I've struggled with, temptations that I've given into, and I can pinpoint the days that I did that and committed a sin by if I prayed that day or not. 
if I spent time alone, not praying without ceasing, not praying continually, but literally starting my day off, getting on my knees in my room and spending time with him in prayer. I could pinpoint every time I did not pray by the sins I committed. Every vile sin stems from prayerlessness. John R. Rice said it this way regarding prayerlessness. Of itself, prayerlessness is, I have no doubt, worse than murder, worse than adultery, and worse than blasphemy. What is wrong with churches today is lack of true prayer. What is wrong with preachers is the same sin. What is wrong with the pew is still this blighting sin of prayerlessness. For every sin, every failure, and every lack, God had a remedy and cure if we had sufficiently and effectually prayed. I'm going to say that one more time. For every sin, every failure, and every lack, God had a remedy and a cure if we had sufficiently and effectually prayed. You see, my greatest sin and your greatest sin is prayerlessness. It's not spending time with God, and it must be stopped. It must be repented of. Prayerlessness must be recognized as a sin that grieves the Holy Spirit, hinders the work of God, helps fill up hell, takes missionaries off the mission fields, and causes a power shortage in the house of God. When we're not praying, we lose that power, and our church loses that power. But let me tell you something. There's still power in prayer. There is still power when we humble ourselves before God and spend time with Him in prayer. We know that God never changes from age to age. He's still just as powerful. His power is as great as it was in the days of Moses, David, Daniel, John, and Paul. You see, the reason why we do not see great answers today is not found in God, but in our own lives. There is power in prayer, but it takes prayer. It takes praying. That's the power of prayer. But Satan, man, he's winning in life because we're not praying. Prayerlessness is exactly what he wants. So how do we combat that? We prepare. That's what we see in Ephesians 6.18, the preparation of prayer. Notice what it says there. It says, watching thereunto with all perseverance. Watching thereunto, that means to be awake, to be vigilant, to stay committed. Paul, again, continues to use military terms here. Again, throughout the scriptures, he did this because we face a real enemy, which means we must maintain vigilance, stay watchful, and keep guard at all times. We need to watch thereunto. We see that truth in 1 Peter 5a, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We need to be watching thereunto. We need to set a watch. We need to be vigilant because Satan's trying to bring us down. Hey, there is a real warfare going on today. And if you had these spiritual goggles on to see what's happening in our city, in our town, throughout our lives, you would want to take those down because it's scary. There is a true, real spiritual warfare going on today. And we need to watch thereunto. We need to be vigilant. It reminds me of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4. When Nehemiah was repairing the walls of Jerusalem and the enemy was trying to stop the work, they defeated the enemy by watching and praying, by preparing. They were watching thereunto. We see that in Nehemiah 4.9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night. Set a watch, watching thereunto, being vigilant, being on guard, preparing. Not only that, though, they actually defeated the enemy and continued to re rebuild the wall by having a dual focus as well. We see that in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. You see, what they did was they didn't j just rebuild the wall, but they had a sword at their one side. 
They had a sword at their side. So whenever the enemy would come, they'd be rebuilding this wall. And the, the enemy would come and they would fight off the enemy with his hands as they're rebuilding the wall on their other side. And they would do this and that's how they won the battle. They had a dual focus. And that's the same way with us. Like the Jews, we must live our life with a dual focus. We must have prayer on one hand and the word of God on the other. When they were rebuilding that wall, they were strengthening that relationship with Jesus Christ. They were building that wall. What we need to do with prayer is building that relationship with Jesus Christ, spending time with him. But if we just focus on that, we're going to fall. If we just focus on that, we're going to quit because Satan is going to come in with temptations and doubts and try to bring us down. No, what we need is a dual focus. We need that sword on our other hands. So whenever Satan comes and gives you doubts and temptations, you can take out that sword and say, hey, I'm more than a conqueror through his love. Hey, I've got the victory in Christ Jesus. There hath no temptation taken me, but such as is common to man. We can fight off the enemy and continue to rebuild that wall, to strengthen that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It takes a dual focus. And we need to remember now, the reason why this is so crucial, the reason why we need that word of God and we need prayer is because we face a real enemy. There is a true spiritual warfare going on today, and because of that, we need prayer warriors. Not just specific people, but we all need to be prayer warriors. Prayer warriors that are grounded in the word of God. We need to be vigilant and watch thereunto. We need prayer warriors to stand strong and fight. Because when a prayer warrior is standing strong, man, grounded in the word of God, and talking to God throughout the day, watching thereunto and being vigilant, that's where we start to win the victory. The prayer warrior storms the gates of hell, clothed in the armor of God, pleading the blood of Jesus, and taking back what is rightfully God's. We need people with that motivation, that confidence, to spend time in prayer, and recognize that there is power when we pray. Prayer is a barrage to drive back the demon hosts that are determined to stop the triumph of Christ. Prayer is the invisible force to break down every opposing wall and to open every iron gate. And prayer penetrates every curtain of darkness and demolishes every fortress of hell. We need prayer warriors to pray. I like what A.B. Simpson said of prayer and prayer warriors. He said this, God wants men and women of who he can depend on to stand as bulwarks and battlements against the shocks of hell's artillery. You see, we're in a spiritual warfare today. We need to prepare. We, it, it takes perseverance. The Bible says watching thereunto with all perseverance. That has to do with remaining committed in spite of diversion, in spite of distractions. And I find it interesting, the word perseverance is found only one time in Scripture, right here in verse 18, indicating how important prayer is. He's saying, I want you to persevere. I want you to keep on praying no matter what happens in this world, no matter what comes your way. Do not quit. Do not stop. Keep on praying because that's how we win. That's how we win the battle, when we pray in the Spirit throughout the day. Satan will try to bring diversions, doubts, or distractions to get you to stop praying. So we need to pray, amen? We need to keep on praying. I know for me, I found this interesting a couple weeks ago, man. I got on my knees and started praying to the Lord. He started off my morning rites, and it was so interesting because I, I, as soon as I got on my knees, I didn't get four words in to praying to God, and instantly I went and grabbed my phone. And I meant, oh, I got to call my stepmom. I got to call her. And I didn't have to call her whatsoever. I was going to call and tell her a funny story that happened. Literally, no reason to call her whatsoever. And I remember I stopped myself and I'm like, what on earth this happened? I was talking to Almighty God. Why did I go to my phone just there? It was a distraction. 
Satan tries to bring distractions to get you to stop praying because when he does that, he's got the victory. And he'll bring distractions. He'll try to get you to quit through wandering thoughts. You ever been praying and um, your mind starts to wander? All of a sudden you're praying to God and you're spending time with him and then pretty soon you're thinking about your kindergarten teacher and wondering if she's still alive or dead and all many, so many different things like that. Those are wandering thoughts. Wandering thoughts. He brings that to get you to lose that communication, to lose that connection. He'll bring wicked thoughts into your life as well. Wicked thoughts. Have you ever had that before where, man, you're just going throughout the day and all of a sudden just a wicked, awful, vile thought straight out of hell pops into your mind? And you're just like, where did that come from? What on earth is going on? It was a wicked thought trying to distract you, trying to get you away from spending time with your creator. He'll bring worldly thoughts as well. Have you ever been on your knees praying to God, praying alone, and man, you feel like your prayers aren't getting answered. You feel like he, you're just praying to the ceiling and he's not listening, he's not there. And you start to have doubts about your salvation. You start to have doubts that God is even real. Those are worldly thoughts, amen. Satan will try to bring anything in your path to get you to stop praying. But the key is, keep on praying. Persevere. It takes staying committed no matter what. And whenever those thoughts come, you cast those thoughts down. One of my favorite verses, I have 30,000 of them, but one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Whenever those thoughts come your way, you just cast those thoughts down. Whenever those thoughts come your way, like Dikembe Mutombo with the finger wag, you cast those thoughts down and you say, hey, I'm a child of God, amen. You cannot touch me. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop spending time with Almighty God because there's power in prayer and my prayer makes a difference. You see, we need to persevere in the midst of this spiritual warfare. That's how we win the battle, amen. It takes perseverance, but not only that, it takes perspective. Now, looking at the spiritual warfare, you can get scared, man. I don't know about you, but studying for this, there was times where I started getting down about this, about the truth of a spiritual warfare and how Satan's trying to get me to quit. I, I didn't feel strong enough, and it was hard. But understand this now. If the enemy is trying to distract you from praying, that's a good sign. That means he's scared. That means you're in connection with Almighty God. There's power in prayer. That means your prayers are causing him to be concerned. But don't let Satan intimidate you or keep you from praying fervently in the spirits. Because we need to remember now, we have the victory. We have the victory in Christ Jesus, but it's all about having the right perspective. It reminds me of a story about these hunters who found out that there was a bounty out for any wolf they could kill. And the bounty was $5,000. It was a very dangerous journey, and they had to go into the heart of the woods, the heart of the forest, and it was a very scary job. But these hunters took on the task, and they, they went out into the heart of the woods, and they had this little small cabin, and one night, one of the people heard growling outside. So he got up, went to the small window, and he saw 50 snarling wolves growling at him, growling at him with their teeth glistening in the moonlight, making their way closer to that cabin. The individual ran up to his friend and woke him up, shook him up, and said, John, John, wake up. We're rich. See, it's all about having perspective. Amen. It's all about having perspective. They weren't scared because, man, they had a gun, and they were able to kill all those wolves and make money. You see, it's all about having the right perspective. It takes perspective to win this battle. Remember, we've got the victory. Amen. But we, take, we need to be prepared. It takes preparation. And then number five, and I'm done. 
Notice the purpose of prayer. The purpose of a good soldier's prayer. Look at verses 18 and 19, if you could. The Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Verse 19, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. At the end of Ephesians 6.18, Paul begins to put prayer in focus. First, he tells the Ephesians to pray for all the saints. That's all of us. That's you and me. That's all the Christians. Then, they are to pray for him as God's messenger that he may speak boldly. The point is for believers to be able to endure, to stand firm, and to be strengthened, and for the gospel to be proclaimed boldly and clearly. He's saying, pray for the saints so they can stand strong. Pray for the saints so they can be a witness. Pray for me that I might show people the gospel of Jesus Christ. The purpose of prayer is for the furtherance of the gospel. We pray for one another so we can be a witness and stand strong no matter what. So we can point people to Jesus Christ. So we can be a good testimony, testimony and not fall. You see, our time on this battlefield is running out. And there are still souls to be saved. We need to stand strong. We need to pray for laborers. Pray for the furtherance of the gospel. And pray for soldiers to stand strong. In times of uncertainty, we need to be vigilant and pray like a good soldier. Now I'll close with this. Uh, in Dr. James Jones' book, The Seriousness of Soldiering, he included a passage regarding the confidence and the conduct of a good soldier. And I'll close with this. I am a soldier, a prayer warrior in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Spirit is my code of conduct, and faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in this army at the rapture or die in this army, but I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or be pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and defendable. dependable. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. I cannot have my feelings hurt badly enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I still come out even. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot hold me. Hey, I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. <laughs> For when my commander called me from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then bring me back to rule this world with him. I am a soldier in the army, and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier marching, heaven-bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me?